Hello and welcome back to the Pint of Politics podcast. This is episode number 44. I'm delighted to say I'm joined once again by Sam. How you doing, mate? Quickly, yeah, something yeah, controversial. Yeah. All good, all good. Uh, I'd be better if you weren't wearing that uh, Chelsea top, to be honest, mate. Oh, but, um, I saw Sam. Yeah, no, no, sorry, man, sorry. <laughs> Fucking oh, night, man. Absolute liberty. Uh, Liam, how you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. Good as always, raring to go. Good stuff. I'll let you introduce our next guest, mate, because you you, you got him on and, and you know him better than any of us. So uh, feel free, right. mate. Go ahead. Well, been buzzing to get this lad on, right? Not only because he's chief comrade of Brixton propaganda, <laughs> not only because he's Brixton's answer to any house DJ who's hard enough, True. but mainly because me and him have seen each other in some disgusting states over the free <laughs> university. So I feel like you form a bond of a brother when you see each other in the bendy states that we were in, mate. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Uh, Jordy, a.k.a. DJ Rick Sanchez. What are you saying, Jordy? You good, man? I'm good. I'm good. How's everyone? Yeah, all good, mate. Very good. Very good. Do you want to tell us a little bit, firstly, sort of about sort of your stuff, what you do, um, obviously the DJ and stuff. I'll let you plug a bit of that, uh, plug that away, and then we'll sort of get into, uh, you know, stuff we want to talk about. So, yeah, go ahead, mate. Yeah, um, as you said, I'm a DJ. Uh, primarily, I started out as, D- as a DJ, but I also now delve into producing, so I make my own tracks as well. Um, primarily make Tech House, but I am looking into making some other stuff. I used to make, if you look hard enough on the internet, you can find my old dodgy drill beats that I used to make back in 2015, 2016. They were pretty crap, and I was pretty crap at making um, beats and whatnot. But yeah, no, I just DJ, I produce, I really represent as well. So I got a show on um, Select, quick plug there, tune in every Thursday, 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. And um, yeah, pretty much I play cricket on the Saturday, rub my balls together for seven hours, come on with red trousers, and uh. Yeah, pretty much lounge around. If I'm not doing any, if I'm not DJing, I've been cricket, I just lounge around, mate. But that's very much. Nice. You've been laying it down hard recently, though, innit? I've seen that you was behind decks with Tobias Lineker recently. Oh, uh, yeah, fucking. How did, I, how did that happen? So I DJ at a place in Chelsea called The Goal, and um, it's on King's Road. So it's a pretty like rich street. And um, I was DJing there, and this guy came called JB came up to me and was like, oh, you look, you look pretty cool, man. Give, give, give me my number. So we changed numbers and whatnot, started chatting to him. Then I asked him, I was like, yo, do you know anyone that DJs house music wants to jump on, do a little radio set and that? And then he was like, oh, yeah, my boy Tobias, he'll follow you in it. And then I get a notification. And when he said Tobias, I was like, I wasn't really thinking in it. I was thinking some other geezer called Tobias. And then I see Tobias there, I was thinking, what the fuck? Oh, okay. One of the Linux followers me, and then um, we he done a live set on radio, which is so annoying that I can't even show you the set because that's the day the fucking station computers went down, innit? He done a live set for me, and then we've just been keeping in contact here and there. I chatted to him, and then he invited me to come round to Minnesota Sound, and I was just behind the decks with him. It just it was a funny night. What I got to say is we had a lot of alcohol, <laughs> a lot of alcohol. It was just fun. Good stuff. Shit. Good stuff. Um, to be fair, speaking of alcohol, I've got to ask everyone what they're what they're drinking today. So Sam, we'll start with you, mate. What have you got? What bevy you got, mate? Oh, I've just got the San Miguel today. It's all I have uh, in the fridge. Oh, it's boring. Oh, yeah. San Miguel's good, man. Don't be saying it's boring. Ah, uh, it's, no, but... it's boring. You know, we like to sort of try and branch out and find like proper random beers. So San Miguel's. Like, fact, I did buy one earlier. I can't remember. It's like a vocation IPA, but I looked at it before we started. It was nine percent. Nine percent. Last time I did one of those on the podcast, I just, I just went, like, went down. Didn't I mean, nine percent beer is the best, mate. That's what I got to say, mate. 
<laughs> Liam, what about you, mate? What you got on the go? You know what, mate? I've had to like full on like crackhead it here because I didn't have any much booze in the house, right? I had like some vodka left, so I've literally made myself like a vodka with vimto and lemonade. Ooh. It's pretty that... heavy, pretty heavy salad, mate. I'm not gonna lie. Sounds like but... I could be nice, but like I don't know, vodka on on a podcast, you know. Yeah, I, I do feel like, yeah, I am going to be sort of begging for change outside of Sainsbury's very, very soon if I carry on with this. Yeah, you've um, got the look for it as well, to be fair, mate. I do. Look, I do he's yeah. looking for it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. In it, yeah, so that's what I'm on, I'm ashamed to say. But, yeah, what are you drinking? What are you saying, Rick? What are you on? Yeah, can I be honest? I'm keeping it PG, mate. I'm drinking uh, tropical juice, mate. That's all. Very nice. <laughs> nice, nice. I literally nice. had a driving lesson, so obviously, you know, I had to be in, like, in a sober state and I thought oh, do you know what? I'll be sober as well for eight, um for this podcast because I normally come on a bit pissed and it's like I start swearing it's all like oh mate you've nah, seen you... me in them states anyway but like bloody <laughs> hell, I'm not trying to be like that on podcast mate <laughs> oh mate there's no there's literally no like it's not not in the slightest bit professional here so I honestly wouldn't worry about it oh, but um, you've got to be professional at all times mate oh of course of course of <laughs> course um, I'm, I'm I'm drinking a shipyard shipyard IPA, which is yeah, just picked up from Sainsbury's. It's the first thing I find. Um, don't think we've had this on the podcast before, so there you go. That'll be the beer of the week. Um, right, let's move on to like a bit of the sort of grit and what stuff we want to talk about. Liam, mate, what do you want to start off? Do you want to kick off the sort of political based questions uh, for for just us to discuss, really, and our guest obviously to to give his opinion on and all. Yeah, I can do. Bear me one second. Shows oh, I want to bear that. Fuck's sake. He's, he's sorry, got like sorry. notes and shit. What's he only on me? Right, right. Sorry, I was just getting the itinerary up. Sorry, guys. Sorry. He's right. been the same since uni, mate. Never prepared. <laughs> Never prepared. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Pretty much. What did you What, what, what did you actually get in your degree, Liam? Did you get like a 2-1 or? Yeah, I got a 2-1, yeah. That's not bad. It's not bad for an unprepared man. Yeah, to be fair, mate. Like, just to go a bit off topic. My first year at uni as well. Jordy, you can back me up on this one because oh, yeah. your, your attendance will have been about the same. Me? Mine was 15%. 15, <laughs> 1, 5. And guess where we live? We literally live. You could throw a rock and hit uni from your gaff, mate. That's how close we live to uni, mate. And we barely went. He's not lying. Literally, our, where our like, uh, lecture theatres were was literally like not even a one-minute walk from us. Not even one minute, mate. My attendance was 22%. I think Jesus. I was with one night, right? One night we'd been we'd been hitting it hard, mate. And it was like half nine in the morning or something. My lecture was at 10 o'clock. We've not been on any sleep. I was literally stood there wearing a t-shirt that had like a horse on it <laughs> and like wearing a bucket hat and some shades. And I was like, I'm going to my lecture. And everyone at the gaff was like, no, mate, like you're not going to. And I was like, I'm going to my lecture. And I literally walked outside the front of the gaff, mate. And I've seen everyone who I knew what to lecture. They're like, you're coming to the lecture? And I was just like, no. no. Like, <laughs> the realisation hit me. As I walked out before, I was like, what the fuck am I wearing? It was like a February. I had shorts on as well. I was like, what on earth am I doing? I'm going back upstairs. Uh, Cambridge Halls, mate. Cambridge Halls. Big yes. up, man. Big, big up Cambridge Halls, but it was absolutely, oh, it was just disgusting, mate. Disgusting. Dirty. <laughs> Dirty as fuck. <laughs> anyway, yeah, a little insight into our university there. Probably, oh, yeah. Yeah. probably overshared a little bit. I don't know when I work, mate. With I'm sure you could definitely do worse, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, get get into the nitty gritty. Um, obviously, Jordy, you're from probably the most famous Afro Caribbean area in the whole of the UK. Never mind, just in London. Oh yeah, true. Bri- Brixton, famous place, man. Famous place. So I wanted to just ask you, like. 
obviously you have like an African heritage. You're very much an English man, but you're you have Congolese in you know, you know, yeah, yeah, Congolese. Yeah, that's the one. So I just wanted to ask about like, um, do you think that the police are like out of touch, especially with someone like you from like a proper urban area? Um, I'm guessing that you have your own perceptions of the police as a community, but mm-hmm. do you think that the police are out of touch with? with what goes on in the backgrounds there or how they handle it or what, what's your opinion from the police in general, really? And the, oh, the you know what, yeah. on it. It's 50-50. Cause like, it's like, yes, I've seen it with my own eyes. Police being absolute dickheads for no reason, just stopping kids for no reason. And just like, just, you know, being balanced, just trying to get people in trouble, isn't it? But then I'm also thinking as well, like, Sometimes the community is, is as well gets itself into trouble and gets the police involved in a lot of stuff in it. It's like I don't know. I would could I, I would say the police are out of touch to an extent, as in like the general policeman doesn't know what I like and what t- makes me tick, and they don't know how to proper approach me in the in a way where I won't come across as confrontational or whatnot. But then I also say they're not out of touch as well because it's like. Sometimes I even look at my own community, I'm thinking, sometimes we put it on ourselves, like, sometimes we're just there being rude to police for no reason, or, like, sometimes we, we say abusive stuff to the police, and then we wonder why, two seconds later, the guy's got handcuffs out, and he's trying to fucking bundle us in the back of a van, in it? So it's like, for me, it's 50-50, and if, you, if you're going to ask me, can it be fixed? <sighs> I don't know, to be dead honest with you, you know. Do you know why? And, and I say I don't know because I feel like it's too ingrained. It's gone on for so long that a lot of people don't trust the police at all. Even if something happened, they wouldn't want to go and call the police in the first place. They'd want to, like, fucking sort it out themselves. So it's like, the other question would be, how do you fix the issue? And... You can do all these community projects. You can get the police to come in their fucking PR stunt vans and all that crap in it and talk to kids about policing and all that crap. But it's not going to fix the issue. The issue, the only way you can fix the issue is if actual community leaders sit down and speak to the actual leaders of the police and come up with an actual plan. Not some fucking slogan or some propaganda thingy that they do every fucking year on, I don't know, on a random day and be like, oh, this is so-and-so day, so we're going to be nice to you lot and all that crap, innit? I feel like a lot needs to be done. A lot of discourse needs to be um, had between the police and the community. Because I feel like the community want the police there, but they don't want the police there because they're thinking, bro, if I have a spliff now, the guy's going to come round the corner and bundle me in the back of the van, which is a bit annoying, innit? Do you know what I'm saying? And stuff like that. But then I also feel like the police need to be there because you just can't have no police in a certain area, especially in Britain, bro, where there's a lot of gangs in it. The gentrification has cleaned up the area. Don't get me wrong, Britain looks nice, but the gangs are still there. And if you got rid of the police, you'd have kids running around trying to stab everybody in the site. Yeah, that, that leads on to my next point. Yeah, go on. Obviously, like the certain parts of London that are worse than Britain for knife crime, I'm talking to Tottenham, Croydon, oh, yeah. places like this are worse. But Brixton is known as um, being sort of like the gangs one, isn't it? one of them, but yeah, like a hotspot for knife crime. And it's, I mean, obviously you you've just given quite a balanced opinion on the police there. Hmm. I've heard other people from sort of around that way who were just like fuck the police, whatever. But don't get me wrong, I'm also kind of fuck the police, but I'm also like <laughs> I'm also kind of fuck the police, bro. But you have to also think about it from a holistic point of view as well. Yeah, yeah. Not all coppers are dickheads. Because I've yeah. been stopped and searched here, and the cop was actually the soundest guy ever, bro. The guy was busting jokes with me about a lot of stuff in it. Mm. And then you get the coppers that are like, 
the guy wants to put you in the back of a van ASAP. He wants to fucking strip search you because he's a dickhead. He's got power in it. So it's like 50-50 in it, in my opinion. But with with that then, um, for the people who are just like, fuck the police completely and all that, what would your opinion be on sort of trying to tackle knife crime? Do you think that it should be harsher sentencing? Do you think it should be more of a rehabilitation project and teaching kids to get knives off the street? What, what do you, what's your opinion on trying to police the whole, the rise in knife crime? Because that, that's a London problem, really. It's not just like an individual area problem. I mean, I know certain parts are worse. Yeah. But as, some, as from somewhere who is like, yeah, bricks and over gangs, bit of knife crime, whatever, what would you think would be the way to deal with this? Can I be honest with you, yeah? The realist, these kids stab each other over territory of who sells what in this area, innit? That's the honest truth. And if you really want to, like, reduce knife crime, not get rid of it, you can't get rid of it, let's be risking now. There's so many people on this planet, someone's going to go out, out there and stab somebody. It's such a numbers game, innit? I'd say, ah, this is, this is becoming a bit liberal, and I know a lot of people, there's a lot of conservatives in this country that won't agree with me, innit? But I'd say if you legalise drugs and you took the drugs off the gangs... What the fuck are they fighting for? Really and truly, what what postcodes would they be fighting for? They wouldn't be because the reason why they, they fight each other at the end of the day is because so and so gang, for example, my gang in my area, four ten, they sold their drugs in my in my council estate and the bits around Brixton, and you got six seven in Brixton Hill. They do their thing there. They're fighting over territory of who sells what in what area. And if you take the um, the drugs off these kids and you legalize it and people like me can then go to the shop and get it. The gangs, what are they really fighting for, bro? It don't make sense. Really and truly, they're fighting over drug territory. That's what it is, really. At the end of the day, and maybe the old one-two beef that happened twenty years ago, but that's one way of stopping knife crime. But I feel like all the stuff they did before, like with the um, programs and the initiatives and all that, that's just a lot of bollocks, bro. Because it just goes in one ear, comes out the other ear, mate. These kids, don't, they're not listening, bro. You have to... And also as well, before I get into my next point, if you improve education as well in a certain area and you also give these kids more opportunities to do other stuff, then you'd get less knife crime. For example, like, I'm an anomaly in it. I fucking play cricket in my area and whatnot in it. So I'm an anomaly because I went out there to go and seek it. But let's say now education was improved in this country to a point where you went to almost like the Americans. You go to school, you play for a sports team, and then obviously you then get a scholarship to go uni and whatnot. That would then show the kids in the area, oh shit, if I just have a bit of talent and I work a bit hard, I can then go to uni, get a good job, and then go away from this knife crime. But because in England, all of that opportunity shit that I've just said there goes to kids that go to private school, and kids like me that go to state school, we get, it's like a sieve, we just fall through the sieve. You then realise these kids and then get distracted and then they go go outside and then some guy goes, yo, we saying, do you want to make some money? And then boom, bow, the ball starts rolling and these kids now start selling drugs and then after that, these kids start getting to gangs and start stabbing other, other ops because of territory and whatnot. And I feel like if the education system was improved and the system showed kids raw, you don't have to do gangs. You could play football or you could play cricket or you could be an artist or there's this workshop right here where we can teach you how to do, I don't know, become an electrician or something like that. You get less people doing all this crap. But at the end of the day, it's just a thing of the system we live in is designed to push people into that crap anyway. In my opinion, that's that's what I've seen in my own eyes, bro. Sam, what do you think about what Jordy said there with the, the legalising drugs? Obviously, he said that conservatives would have a different opinion of You yourself being a conservative, a sound one at that for, for one of them, but... That's, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all jokes aside, yeah, Sam, 
What, what's your opinion on that with the whole the legalising the drugs? Because I think the Geordie makes some really good points there. And we have seen that this does, not, not to the point of legalisation, but look at Portugal with the decriminalisation of drugs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What I, do you think about that, Sam? Like, are you, are you, do you agree with that? Or do you have more of a conservative opinion on, on no, I think there's a lot. There's a lot to be said by saying the deep, like the decriminalisation. If you make, if you allow it, um, it will, like, I think Geordie's made, he's made some really good points there. In regards to decriminalisation, I think maybe like I think it would, I think we've, it's been said for years, but legalising marijuana is going to be happening surely in this country at some point soon. Ah, once, yeah, soon, soon. Once this older generation of <laughs> conservatives move on, there'll be a a youth quake in the Tory party, and like things will change. But yeah, I don't know. Legalisation of all drugs, I think, mate, brings its own risk. But decriminalisation, decriminalisation is a, a good step in the right direction. Or like like Joey mm-hmm. said. If you get if you reduce these like the fight which has to go on in these areas over the over the drug drug territory, then it would be a step in the right direction. Then you then you can through that you can show these young men there are opportunities out here that you could go into these other areas. So it's just like it'll be like a um, trickle down effect of like saying, look, so you stop you stop it here, but then everything else from that becomes easier to manage if you want to me. You can push them into the right areas. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a fair point. And like I I very much on the side of we should decriminalize drugs. Um, all drugs, I think. Um but yeah, and it definitely is. It's I think it's put so well there, and I've never sort of thought about it through the way um the way that it was explained just then, in the sense that the reason why a lot of this knife crime and stuff happens is because of these, you know, like we say, these rival gangs who are trying to fight each other over territory for selling drugs. If you like, and literally, I, I, I've never, never thought about it through that that way before. And actually, that would solve a lot of problems. You know, other people would argue that decriminalizing drugs would would cause problems, and I, I accept that it would. Mm. Um, but I think it's got to be a sort of, you know, Could you've got to weigh it up yes. on a scale, in it. You know, you can't just say, uh, oh, it's, this is going to it's going to cause problems. It will, but any anything will have negative impacts. You've got to think about what you'd rather have. Would you rather have, you know, kids getting stabbed or would you rather have, you know, people readily able to access hard drugs? It might have a negative effect on them, maybe not as much of a ripple effect to like, the wider community. So but it's... Criminalise it. You can like, then invest in treatment and harm prevention, go into different areas, try and... Oh, yeah, also a completely like separate point from like that is how much money would the government make out of selling drugs? Oh, shit ton of money. How yeah. much money would the government make out of that? Like, it's, much- it's so much. It's look at, like, just cigarettes as well. Look how expensive they are. Um, if, if you take that into sort of public ownership, then it, you could put that money into so many more, like, beneficial programs. And like we say, in, in these areas where there are real problems with, you know, kids just getting sucked into to areas where they really don't need to be and shouldn't be, you could you could put that money into those areas and actually make you know make things a lot better for these people who, who you know see that there's nothing else to do so they may as well do something that is ultimately going to have negative consequences. Definitely, yeah. It's like look at Canada when they made like uh, cannabis legal. I think it was something ridiculous like they made two billion Canadian dollars worth of tax in like the first day or something insane. That's mental. Even legalizing cannabis, right? Even if, if the British government just legalised cannabis as a start, I like smoking weed is a victimless crime, and no one has there's been no recorded deaths ever of someone smoking weed. Literally. If someone smokes too much weed, 
They it eat too out. much food. If someone <laughs> drinks too much, they can end up fighting, they can end up throwing up, they can end up with alcohol poison, all the rest of it. This yeah. is legal and ready available to anybody. If someone smokes too much weed, they might bust a whitey and go to sleep or eat too much. That's it. It's a victimless crime. So that, for me, is the first thing what the, the government should be looking at. But I, I'm also on the side of definitely decriminalisation of, of all drugs. Making all drugs legal, I mean, it depends, isn't it? Because stuff like coke, ecstasy, ketamine, your party drugs and that, right? If they were, like, regulated and sold in shop, safer, exactly, because they wouldn't be they wouldn't be cut with, with dodgy, dodgy things. Shit, if, if you went in a shop and bought it and it told you exactly how strong it was on the packet, you're only allowed to buy a certain amount, and all this, it would surely prevent, like, like you hear all the time of people swallowing dodgy pills as well and dying. If these were made and pressed by, like, a government scheme and then sold in, I don't know, I say, like, a boots or something ridiculous, yeah. like, something like that, like, it would, surely it's a good thing. The only sort of turning point on it where it, I get it is with, like, crack and heroin. Like, that. I wouldn't make those probably legal. Because they're, like, proper hard drugs. But... Equally, I would decriminalise them and then, like Connor said, fund the rehabilitation programmes for these. I mean, Portugal got it boxed, didn't they? They did the rehab thing and heroin overdoses reduced by half in the first year. And that's just insane. Like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And the amount of people using heroin in that country is like less than 10 years ago, like yeah. a lot less than 10 years ago. So it shows that it worked. Yeah, it definitely like, does. The government in this country are just too scared to even look at it because of the backlash that they would just get off all the old people. Yeah. Especially the conservatives who have such a like a large proportion of their votes are from the older generation. I think that if they came forward and, and produced something so radical and progressive as decriminalizing drugs, they would just lose all their core support of of older generations. And then mm. they'd be scared that another well, more than likely Labour, it's not maybe anyone else, is it? But more than likely Labour would get in. And yeah, I don't even think Labour would come out with something like that either. I feel I, like as a country, I, mm, we're just, I don't know. We're not I don't think it would ever be. It would ever be a. We as a country, even on like the left, it's such. We well, don't know so much left, but it's it's such a tradition-based country or yeah, convention-based country. It wouldn't be one blanket um, policy. Say one big. It'll be it'll be steps. It'll take its time. I think I don't think anyone, any government, any party would risk like you said and risk doing one big blanket statement saying this is where we're going this is what's going to be because of the huge even for the media alone the media backlash would be like oh you like daily mail saying uk government becomes biggest drug cartel or something stupid yeah, like but that you, and then you then you look at the daily mail readers and the fucking people that write it and they're all on sniff they're all on sniff mate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you might as well uh, that's why I'm, I'm i'm advocating not legalizing more drugs but decriminalizing them in the first place everyone's on sniff me from the guy at the top of the country to the guy at the bottom on the street he's on sniff me so there's no point in us this, this is the problem in this country is so we lie to ourselves a lot a lot and we're like we're pretending that no one does drugs in this country when you can go to a fucking fezzy and everyone's off their tits mate of all walks of life mate and it's like why are we uh, as a nation lying to ourselves and why are we taking so long to just progress to, to enable something that we know we all want to have enabled but like it's you said well, uh, it's proper it's proper downplayed how bad the drug problem is in this country me, everyone's on it. i seen the other day that like we are the cocaine capital of the whole of europe more people say cocaine than that and i must admit mate like any night out you go on anywhere like you said any festival Pretty much everyone that you know, either oh, even at work. Coke or has done coke at some point in their life, pretty much everyone that I know has done coke at some point or 
Do you know what I mean? It's, it's an anomaly when you meet someone who hasn't done drugs before, especially like people who aren't, I don't know, of a religious background, obviously. It's very rare that I'd meet like a Muslim brother or something who does coke <laughs> and that, that, because it sits against their beliefs. But anyone, like when you're at uni, pretty much everyone at uni does drugs. And <laughs> I feel like the government are just, they're in denial about it, like because of, it's, it is an epidemic, to be honest. If you want to call it, it is a bit of an epidemic. They should go to the city of London, mate. Everyone's on sniff. And when when you go abroad as well, like when you go to other countries, the people of those countries aren't anywhere near as bad for drugs as English people are and Brit well British people in general are. And it's it's like you say, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done really in this country to try and improve this because of how how rife it is. It's so rife. Yeah. Like, tell me oh, if I'm definitely wrong. no, definitely, definitely. People, the majority of people you know. I've either done done at least coke before, or going to any workplace in this country, bro. There's always someone doing sniff me. I used to work in a pub. The guys in the kitchen are one sniff me. What the fuck? Oh, the like chefs are the worst. <laughs> yeah, chefs are the worst. You know, chefs <laughs> in like, restaurants and shit. They're always on it. They're always always on it. So it's like, why are we denying ourselves to ourselves that no one does drugs, mate? We all do it. Yeah. Bro. Is what yeah. it is. It's yeah. Uh, that, to be fair, that's the episode title sorted. I'm going to call the episode "Everyone's on Sniff" because <laughs> I think that'll get that'll get a few clicks. No, no, no. <laughs> Mate, because when we did the drunk episode, it was everyone's had a drink. So yeah, everyone's had a drink, and now it's like, it's like, it's like part two. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. We'll move on a little bit to um, to a little little segment we have called the Tweet of the Week. Um, so basically, we all bring to the table our our funniest. Funniest oh, tweets that we've seen hell, from this week. Have you have you got one? Me, no, mate. You don't have to. You don't have to. You can just enjoy and listen. But if you if you've seen anything decent on Twitter, like in the last, even recently, it didn't have to be last week. But um, you can feel free to bring it up. We'll go. We'll go to Sam first, though. What have you got, mate? Decide, I've got two to choose from. Oh fuck it. Okay, so this is doing from... both of you on, but. All uh, right, so this is from a Tinder profile. Yeah, yeah. Not from my Tinder, right? You can see the little, you can see little Reese icons there. Yeah, yeah, that's calm, that's calm. It's like, Your Twitter. It's Mary, it's Mary, 53 years old. My husband has terminal cancer. Looking for someone to have sex with in front of him. <laughs> Quick, safe, no strings. <laughs> Mary's, it's when she goes, have sex with me in front of him. He's terminal cancer. He's a cop. It's, yeah, yeah, he is. He's a, he is a cuck, but... but she's also into football and road trips. So <laughs> that's all right so, then, mate. It's quite so right. Nice dogging then. Sorry, yeah, he's <laughs> like a bit of dogging. Yeah, potentially. Dogging, mate. That's good. That one. That is good. <laughs> and one. then, so this was from Lad Bible. Uh, Demi Lovato believes we should stop calling extraterrestrials aliens as it's offensive. Yeah, mate. Rehab didn't work for her. Clearly, she's <laughs> rehab still, did not work. She's still off her tits. Absolutely. Yeah, I've changed my mind. It should be 30 years in prison for any types of drug. <laughs> in fact, put, put Demi Lovato on every single anti-drug campaign post. It's just like, oh, if you mate. do drugs, you will end up like her. Like, yeah, mate. Liam, what you got for us? Right, so mine's a video. For fuck's sake. No, but it's, it doesn't matter. Um, it, well, just, it's Do we just, have to watch it or do you just have to hear it? No, you just have to hear it, right? Right, okay, go on. This message is for Brian Keller, Rex Adair, and I hope you have a great birthday. This coffee oh. 
ano yun is? Oblorod! I said Oblorod, Yandere. Have you seen the Oblorod? Hold on, I've got another one. Good old Nige. I think that as well. Usually with the Nigel Farage ones, I've seen people where he's basically said like, I'm a fucking bumhole. And I think you're literally paying him to say something stupid. That's Mate, not that funny. But that, that actually is. They're paying him like seven, he gets paid like 70 quid to make these stupid little videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, he's definitely laughing. Like he, I think he knows what he's saying, but. Mate, obviously his first wife was Irish. He definitely knows. I'd, I'd, I'd say anything for 70 quid for like a, a one minute would you, video. Would you, say that? would you say anything for 70 quid? Would you say well, anything? No, go on. Go not on, anything. Not anything. I'll give you though. 70 quid. Oh, we'll we'll round, we'll now. Not 70 quid, yeah. like, nah. But I'm like, <laughs> nothing that could, like, ruin my future job prospects. Or so, not like everything. Yeah, obviously that. You know what I mean? You've got to be careful. I've got yeah, to be careful. Yeah, Jordy, you got a video there. Yeah, I've, I've got one, yeah. And it's of him just fucking, hold on. Wag one, Akis. Shout out to my plug, Ace of Asia. Sirtiest plug around. Get your drops loaded. Bass. Bring your barks and nations. Cuts always on time. Serious youth. Not gonna lie to you, man. You <laughs> <laughs> to see this, man. I saw this and I was cracking. That's Bring the- your barks. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you can literally pay that man to say anything that he will say it. I think we... I, he doesn't, he's laughing, mate. He's laughing. I honestly nah, think we should, we should get him to endorse the podcast. Like, I said that ages ago, but he said no. Oh, mate, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, I, said this, I said this when he first mate. fucking... Yeah, but it could go it. one of two ways, isn't it? Because some people might just stop listening to us once they're Nigel Farage. I reckon, Farage no, I reckon if we've got Nigel Farage, the amount of retweets you get from that saying this is yeah. the best part of this podcast. But that could, go, that could go in the bio as well, wouldn't it? You know, it could be like Nigel, like, Nigel Farage, Farage endorsed. endorsed. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I, mean I don't know. itself is funny. yeah. It we is... are very much about the the, the laughs here. Yeah, like, So I think that pe- pe- most of our listeners would find that funny. I think they realise that we're not a bunch I of. We need to work out. We need to plan what he's going to say that uh, we make it funny. Gotta make it funny. Yeah, I'm yeah. up to Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I need to get it. wait until payday and then um then we'll sort it out. Then I reckon. Nice have one. you got a tweet of the week? I I, I have got a tweet of the week. It was it was a well. To be honest, I've not really had seen much funny on Twitter this week. It's a bit disappointing. I did see a video of uh, MP Liz Truss in a nightclub, and it made me feel a bit sick. Oh, fucking Did hell. you see that, Sam? Yeah, she went out at Manchester for um during... After the conference. Conservative Party conference. Yeah. Where did she go? I don't know where she went, but I just saw it, like, because I know a few people that went up there, they were just like, it was all over their Twitter, like, their stories of just Liz Truss dancing in this part. In this 150% part. she went Northern Quarter. 150%. Yeah, she gone, yeah. Spinning fields, somewhere like She that. went spinning fields. No, she went spinning fields to have a quick, you know, fancy dinner, and then she fucked off the Northern Quarter, went in them bars. She ain't going to warehouse budget, obviously. Let's be this in there. She ain't going to warehouse budget. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't imagine her on the third floor of factory during quid, quid a night, could yeah, you? Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely at Factory. <laughs> That's perfect. That, you know what? Fuck Northern Court. She went fifth. She went fifth. She went fifth to get non-stop by like, them 60-year-old guys in there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's why Connor always goes to fifth as well. I'm, I don't even know where that is. And I also don't even... I've never. I've only had one night out in Manchester in my life. One night Until, out? One. Until I don't live in Manchester. I'm not from they Manchester. They live in Leeds, please. I live in, oh, I live in Leeds, from yeah. God's country. From Yorkshire. God's country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yorkshire. Yorkshire. But now, to be fair, I also had this saw this tweet today. It was quite funny. Um, it's from Dan Dan Sharp, who we've had on the podcast before. He put, 
You know what's going to be hilarious? All these bozos who proudly followed lockdown and avoided crowds all summer getting mega flu the second they step out the door in November and December. They'll take four PCR tests, which will all be negative and still freak out. I can't fucking wait. Quite that's actually true as well, though. That's the funny thing. That's actually true. Literally. Yeah. Everyone's been bare ill recently, mate. Everyone's been getting the worst, like, colds and flus recently. Not me. Mate, I've just I've just had freshest flu in it. Like, that's that's what I've had, like, because, yeah, I, I started going... I went to a festival, went to a festival in Glasgow, came back and just, like, got ill as fuck. And I was like, right, that's obviously because I've just been, like, around loads of people. And I was... I've only, like, just shaken it. But... It wasn't that. It wasn't that bad. It was worse. To, to be fair, though, it was actually worse than when I had COVID. Like when I actually had COVID, I didn't feel that bad. So you, I got, don't know you what... got a flu and you're like, "Fucking get in a good yeah, old mate. fashioned flu." Just what I like. Yeah, literally, I was buzzing, <laughs> like coughing my fucking guts up. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, right. We'll move on, Liam. Let's 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 move on. I'm letting I'm letting you take the lead on this episode, mate, because it's this is your guest. So uh, okay. Shifters on, mate. Shifters on. Right. So at first, when we were planning this, we were saying about like um, asking more about the whole BLM movement, but I feel like it's kind of been done to death. The argument with this, we all know where, what our side of the our side of the fence is with the whole argument with that. So what I wanted to ask you, Jordy, is in your like in your perspective on your life, really, not to deep it. Yeah. One, is is like racist abuse something that you've experienced a lot? And two, is Britain a racist country? And three, actually, in your opinion, do you think it is one of the most racist countries that you could live in in the West? Uh, to answer your first one, not really, to be dead honest with you, mate. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I've been all around the country, up, up north, down south, Manchester, London. Not really, to be honest. Like, I can barely think of any times where I've actually been racially abused, to be dead honest with you. Like, like I'd say there was a lot of, prejudiced moments that's happened to me like obviously especially when you go nightclubs in it and like the bouncers on the door like oh no you're not gonna come in because you're not gonna start a fight in there it's happened to me one or two times and i'm thinking brother fuck off me i'm a bunch of white guys as well and me and my mate calvin trying to get into this club because we're trying to goodbye to our boy like what the fuck but anyway besides the point so to answer your first question not really nah to be honest to answer your second question which was about whether this country is racist I'd say yes or no. I'd say predominantly no, because if the country was fucking racist, I wouldn't be here. Fucking, they would have kicked us all out years ago. And fucking every white person on the street would have spat at me and fucking said some shit at me. So, nah. But I say yes to an extent, because I still feel like a lot of people are not racist, but they have racist prejudices prejudices in the back of their minds like sometimes. Instilled in them kind of thing. Instilled in them. But I don't blame them. I don't blame them for having that. I feel like the the society that they live in and their upbringing because of their parents has made them think like that. But obviously a lot of them grow out of it or snap out of it and obviously are not racist. But some of them, though they're not racist, they might say the odd thing that that might come across as racist to some other people or they might do the odd thing that's a bit Racist in it, so it's like I'd say the country really truly is not racist. Do you know what I mean in it? And I'd say is it more, is it the race, racist country in Western Europe? Definitely not. Fucking hell, man. There's some more racist countries out there in Western Europe. Like I'd say Germany, they're pretty racist. I've heard a lot of stories. I'd say France as well, pretty racist as well. And I've been there as well. I'm not experiencing racism there, but fucking, I've heard a lot of stories. And Eastern Europe. Don't even need to bang on about. Oh yeah, that's why uh, I didn't say the whole of Europe. Eastern yeah, Eastern <laughs> Europe, mate. They're fucking. 
Most of them are backward fuckers anyway, man. You I saw see. the Hungarian fans last night. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, see yeah, them. Yeah. Mate, to Get be fair, though, like, I, I, they are, like, racist. They are scumbags. But did you see them battering the police? Yeah. True. <laughs> I saw it that. Was like, I, saw, I saw a thing, yeah, and it was, like, uh, it was, like, Hungary versus the police. And it was, a like, a picture of a guy holding up a sign that said, I just want both teams to lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw that as well. It was funny, man. These are pussies, though. They fucking ran away, mate. They, they saw a couple of guys that are pissed. Mate, they're, they're not as brave when it's not some pissed up 18-year-old kid, like, who they like, can just not, pick on not, by themselves. They're not as brave when it's a lone woman roaming the street at night. Oh, yeah, tell me about it, man. They're not as brave, mate. Yeah, they're not as brave then, are they? Nah. But anyway, carry on. What were we saying? Let's, let's, let's carry on back to the point. Uh, back to the point. Really, truly... Nah, this country's not that racist at the end of the day, really. Not that racist, isn't it? I feel like we're a progressive nation where we do look at ourselves and go, oh, yeah, maybe that is racist. Maybe we shouldn't stop, we should stop doing that. And I, to, to, I'll just say, yeah, we're not really that racist, really, at the end of the day. But there are, I can't deny it, though. There are racists in this country. Even yeah. though there are racists out there. You can't, yeah. can't be naive and be like, oh, there's no racism at all, bro. Like, there is. It happens. And you hear stories of it happening. But... I'd say there's less of them now than they were 20 years ago, for example. Do you think that's a generational thing as well? So do you think that in another 20 years, there'll be even less? Because it's sort of, yeah. a lot of these people who have these views, I find anyway, are from the older generations. So like, it's sort of like a like granddad in your family or something. I'm not saying that my granddad is, but like, I know of like elderly people in families who can just say very like, well, racist things because they, they don't know any better mm-hmm. in a way. It's almost like, well, actually, no, don't know any better is making excuses for them. They're, they're ignorant and they know they're ignorant, but they 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 choose they choose to be. Whereas I think I've, I've had this conversation like a few times with my cousin. Like, and I think the thing that makes it different for people in our generation is that we like we've, we went to school with people from different cultures. So yeah. like, even like in my school, we had like had like Polish people, I had black people, I had Asian people, I had we had all these different cultures. Mm. Um, and you just get on with them because like your kids and you just, you know what I mean? You'll just go, go and kick a fucking football about yeah, and, not as bored and yeah you know what I mean it's, yeah, you, you don't just, even you just, think about it like, yeah exactly you're just like oh yeah these, these are my mates like you know I, I go and play football with them and, and and whatever like it's it's all good and whereas older people didn't necessarily have like you know like their schools were were quite white um, and like you know if they ever did have anyone from sort of any other cultures coming in it was they were sort of looked on with a bit of suspicion so like, yeah do, them, yeah it is one of them isn't it like so yeah, do you think it is one? It is definitely like once, let's like mean in brutal terms, once these people die, uh, like there's going to be lesser less racism. Do you think it's just going to like gradually sort of phase out, phase out yeah, until it's a problem that's very very minimal? Is that is that how you see it going? I'm seeing it as it's a problem that is there, but it's anyone above like 40, 45, they're the ones that are still exaggerating the problem. I feel like anyone below forty is like, nah, what the fuck. Racism is a bit wrong in it. There are one or two people our age group as well that are racist in it, but they're just ignorant anyway. Because we've got the internet nowadays to educate you and whatnot, to tell you about other people's cultures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I do agree with your point. They're kind of um, gradually it will be phased out, but it won't disappear for good, though. Do you know what I mean? In it, no, nah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's always going to be like that. And even when we were we were talking like last week about like. Um, like sexual assault and like sexual harassment and stuff and like women being targeted. And we were saying, mm. yeah, obviously you can do as much as you can to phase it out, but there's always, there's always going to be one dickhead. And 
Exactly. There is that in every single, in every single. So as long as there's humans walking the earth, there'll be someone who's racist. There'll be someone who would attack women. You know what I mean? It's just exactly. the way it is. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Mm. Yeah, you're always going to get some like proper bad eggs in your. So two, two questions. One of them isn't controversial. One of them is extremely controversial. So the second question, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. The first question is, do you think that, like, I mean, this I'm sold on this opinion anyway, and I think that the other two on here are sold on it, that the media are the main problem with hyping up a racial issue in this country. Like, they're the ones stoking the fire, trying to get it all fired up all over again, because, it, like, it's a divide-and-conquer tactic. Um, do you think that they're, they're the main issue with, like, even the few people, as you think, who are our age, and definitely with the older generation being idiots, it's it's the media, isn't it? Are you, you're in agreement with that? Yeah, 100 fucking 10%. The media fucking... The thing is, you see, the problem with the media is that they're also a business. They're trying to make money themselves. And they know that this divide and conquer tactic, it, it, no matter what um, topic it is, it sells in it and it gets a lot of viewers and it makes them a shit ton of bread. So it's like, yes, the media make it worse. I feel like when there's like a racial attack or even, even not a racial attack, even like when someone gets mugged, for example, the media make it sound 10 times worse than what it actually is. And it's like, the media as well needs to look at themselves and re- ask themselves the question, do we want to perpetuate uh, um, this country's racism or do we want to help get rid of it? And it's at, it's at a crossroads at the moment because there are a lot of people in media are thinking, yeah, we're racist and fucking newspaper I write for is racist and I'm sorry, blah, blah. But then there's a lot of people that fucking thrive off that shit and make a lot of money writing those stories about racism and whatnot. And it does stoke the fire and it does get people angry. And in my opinion, yeah, they're just twats, but at the end of the day, I think the media are twats anyway. The thing for me as well is like, one thing that always, well, it doesn't, never fails to surprise me when you ever hear a racist comment on someone, is they always, they're in denial that they're racist. It's like, I'm not racist, but this, I'm not racist, but this. it's like, they're in well, denial. Exactly. can't be racist if I've got black friends. Yeah, exactly. Well, like the funniest one ever, just, the funniest one ever heard was when Piers Morgan said, I'm not racist, 50 Cent is my favourite rapper. And it was like, what? Is that a direct quote? I've never heard that. Hey, I'll find it after the podcast. He basically was like, someone was um, giving him some jit and he had 50 Cent on in the background and he started like bopping around. He's like, I listened to 50 Cent and then someone just put underneath like, I'm not racist, 50 Cent is my favourite rapper. It's currently my favourite take on racism. And it's like absolutely ridiculous. You can see him saying it as well, to be fair. Oh, yeah, it's definitely the kind of thing that he'd do, isn't it? Uh, Right, second one. Um, I mean, I know my opinion on this. Um, Very controversial question I have to answer. From a black person's point of view, you're saying there that you don't think that racism is as bad as certain people think. Do you think that the BLM protests in this country were justified then? Oh, that's a, that's a hard question there because I went to a few of them. and the I did as well, likewise. Um, uh, I'm yeah, just be interested to hear your opinion on it because I fully get the ones in America. Um, I, I The reason that I went to a couple of the protests was more in solidarity with what happened in America more than anything in England. I get I get people's points about mm. like police in this country obviously having prejudice. I didn't report a uni on that black people are eight times more likely to be stopped and searched than the white person. I get that. Institutional racism is a thing and I'm against that. But for me, when I went to the BLM, it was more to do with solidarity with... Um, Americans, yeah. Yeah, the Americans. Whereas a lot of people in this country tried to... like They, they took it on as like basically trying to like attack uh, this country as well, which, I mean, I'm not opposed to that if that's... We live in a democracy. People are yeah, in that. Free, 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 free. If you feel strong enough about that, 
by all means, but I just wanted to hear your point of view more than anything on that. Well, for me, I went to those protests, obviously in part solidarity with the Americans, but really and truly to highlight our own issues. So when people were there screaming George Floyd and that, I was like, fair, cool, scream his name. But I was also thinking, what about Mark Duggan? Or what about um, all the others that have been um, attacked or racially abused in this country by the system? What about them lot? Why are you not screaming their names? And it got to a point where I was at the protest and I was thinking, half of the people there, they're just there for Instagram, just to be like, oh, I went to the protest, look at me, I look good, I'm not racist, this and that. But then I also feel like, Half of the other people were there as well to like highlight issues with this country. And I feel like I went more to highlight issues in this country. And I feel like, did the protest do anything? Yes or no. It got the discussion going and it got people thinking, but it also stoked the fire. The media, like I said, like we all said earlier, the media again used that as a divide and conquer tactic to get people angry about racism and the racist angry. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I don't know if they were. I don't know if they were justified, to be honest with you, lad. Because it was during COVID times, and we really and truly, we shouldn't have been meeting up in that large group like that. Even if you had fucking face masks or whatever in it, but it's like. Now I agree with what you're saying there, and one thing that, that like annoyed me with the media is that moment of the the protest being on. Say what you like about COVID. At the time, no one knew what was going on with COVID. People yeah. were not like protesting because of COVID. Fair enough. At the time, if now sling it, but at the time, everyone didn't know what was going on with COVID. So fair enough. That was justified. But one thing that really got my back up was that should have been a time where everyone was unified against like oppression towards uh, a minority. And the media just basically turned it into a free for all between trying to stoke up white racist people and like what they they basically just made out that every single person who was on a BLM protest was just like a black person who's a criminal, basically. Yeah. Like, from the one that I went to, the one in Manchester, it was very much mixed. It was like white, people from everywhere, from every race and religion, whatever. Same as the ones in London, yeah. It was a solidarity thing. It was a solidarity, and the media turned it into a black versus white thing. And that was the one thing that got my back up the most about that, the, the protest. Now, what, what annoyed me even more was then you got pretty Patel and them like, chatting oh. fucking shit on fucking BBC News, even making it even more worse. Instead of pretty Patel coming out saying, oh, okay, fair enough, you lot are saying this and that. As home, as home Secretary, maybe I should look into this and see what is institutional racism. Maybe look into the police and see if we can fix it or whatnot. But she just goes on them going, oh, yeah, fuck these lot. Yeah, they want to fucking vandalize it. They didn't even fucking bang on about the um, protest. They banged on about yeah, the, writing yeah. on Churchill. I was thinking, oh, fuck off, mate. It just, it just did it. To be honest, the whole protest in itself, when it happened, it was a good thing, but I also feel like in, in, in the long run, it was slightly a bad thing as well because to me, just... Do you what think... Is, what are you saying? Uh, sorry, sorry, go on, Sam, go on. Sorry, it's just quick, very briefly. Yeah, Do you think on. a lot of people maybe... Not a lot of people, sorry. A small minority hijacked that opportunity, oh, that yeah. protest to not push the agenda, but when it, I mean, everyone's, everyone will be guilty of it. As soon as you're in a large crowd, you feel untouchable. You feel like you can do anything. Oh, so yeah, maybe, of course. So, maybe, yes, it's minute a bit of vandalism happens so the people jump to the opportunity. But there's no excuse for the media then to take this tiny little section of what happens and brand the whole yeah. image, or sorry, disbrand, like, yeah, go against the whole image by saying that's what they're all like. Yeah, what I was going to say as well is you've literally just tied that up nicely, is, yeah, so with the like the, vandali- the vandalisation of, like, the cenotaphs and that, which is literally memorised, which is, like, for people to memorise... World War One and World War Two heroes. 
that's obviously disgusting. And yeah, I agree. Small minority people who are doing that are clearly dickheads. If I was at a protest and I saw someone like vandalizing a fucking World War II memorial, they'd be getting a slap because it's yeah. like these people literally fought against fascism so we can have a free country now. So, yeah. So, ex- and what I was going to say, Sam, is they used something like that to pollute the whole cause, basically. But when it was the other way around, a few weeks later, when it was that Football Lads Alliance thing, which again, protests are protests. I'm not going to argue about the ins and outs of protests. I'm just fucking fan of you. Create a way day for BLM that day, mate. Create a way day. (laughs) (laughs) But do you know what they did? Like, I literally saw, this is how fucking stupid some of them idiots on that protest were. I literally saw someone, this white guy who was on the Football Lads Alliance thing, pissing on a war memorial. Like, he just went behind Yeah, I remember that, I remember that. The only reason that you saw it was because it was on Twitter. That wasn't in the papers, like, oh, vandals and all this shit. They they used it because it was, like, what was predominantly seen as, like, a black movement, in inverted commas, for BLM, of, like, like, trying to basically tar everyone with the same brush about the cenotaphs. But then when you get these, where these other people who are, like, predominantly white, and they're literally pissing on war memorials because they can't be asked to go and find a tree to go behind, and they're pissed out their head. And you don't see anything in the media about it. And it's just, it's an unfair balance in the media between what they want, what they choose the majority of people to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think that yeah. sums it up quite nicely, to be fair. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely, in, in conclusion, fuck the media is basically what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, fuck the media. Don't you want to go work in the media? Nah. Nah, mate. I'll make my own media. I'll make my own newspaper. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Look at the future Rupert Murdoch over there. <laughs> nah, fuck Rupert Murdoch, man. I'm not being here. I'm, I'm not hacking into dead people's phones. Like, behave. Or really football. quick, a really quick thing, right? I just what? got a Twitter notification. It, it looks right, but right us back, right us back to the first point. What? Eight people have been arrested for possession of cannabis in the House of Commons. <laughs> Shut up! Everyone's, really? Everyone's on it. Yeah, House That's of Commons and House of Lords. <laughs> Bro. Oh shit! Really? What like LAMPs or like like lords and that? I'm not going to tell you. Arrested, so there'll be staffers, but yeah, there'll be staffers. Yeah, is one of them you, Sam? No, I've been. I've hit. I've hit. I've been arrested. Oh <laughs> shit, mate! Shit, absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Right. Sorry, um, I, need to, I know you're about on. to wrap up. I need to say one more thing. Is like needs addressing because I feel like this hasn't been said enough about. Have you heard about Pretty Patel basically saying? that people who work on border control um, are going to be, like, exempt from being in trouble if they turn away a boat and people die. Have you seen this? Yes, no, I haven't, actually. She's, she's literally said that they're going to grant um, border control people immunity if they basically turn a boat around the other way and every single person on the boat dies. They're going to be cleared of everything. Pretty Patel oh, said this. Kidding. She's fucking dangerous, sir. She is a villain, you know mate. You get, you get pricks on Twitter just to find it. Oh, it's about time we showed a hard stance. And someone put, yeah, brilliant, a hard stance. Let's stop murdering people to show our yeah. no, we've got <laughs> a hard, we've got We've already got quite a hard stance. Right. Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> it's like, you don't you just be like, to that, they're at the shore. Like, no, 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 turn around, yeah. turn around. Mate, so you're like the France and the French police now aren't either. Like, brilliant. Mate, I'm so bored of the whole like migrant narrative. I'm not going to lie. Like, oh, it, it, just, so like, it, it does my tits in. Like, honestly, it's there's, there's really, there's really bigger issues than like a handful of migrants coming over, you know, on a monthly basis. So like, it really doesn't matter. The amount of empty houses we've got in this country. Uh, you know what I mean it's 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 not it's not a, I mean that's a whole debate for another day I don't want to get too sucked into it but <laughs> it does my fucking head in it will reach the yeah. hour mark yeah it, it does my head in it does my head in but we'll wrap up with a game uh, of fake news so I'll explain it to you uh, Geordie mate I, we'll, basically we play I'll read out a headline yeah 
and you've got to decide whether it's real or fake. So I'll read out a headline and I'll read out a bit of um like background to it. Yeah. Um and yeah, basically just decide whether you think it's real or fake news. So the headline is this, it's from 2014. UKIP counsellor blames floods on gay marriage. So a little bit of background here. A UKIP counsellor in Oxfordshire has been suspended after he wrote to a local newspaper blaming the recent poor weather and flooding on the government's legislation legalisation sorry, of gay marriage. He said that David Cameron had acted arrogantly against the gospel and implied that by angering God, they had brought floods to Great Britain. Now, to be honest with you, that's not big news. That's something someone that you could put in 110%. Yeah, I'm going to go for true as well. I it's think true. I've seen this before. What are you saying, Sam? I don't want to believe that someone's that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I also, like George said, it's something a UK person would say, oh, fuck's sake. I mean, it's definitely worse. Like, there's definitely been more, like, worse stupid political moments, but, like... All right, I'm gonna I, go, I think I, it's true. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I think it's true. I'm going to go fake, but go I, wouldn't fake, be, I wouldn't to, be surprised. Just, just because go, go against, against the, the grain. Go against the grain, yeah. I can't confirm it is real. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh, <good> hell. <laughs> yeah, man, that is real. Absolutely. I know. Absolute waffler. Absolute wafflers. What's that? What's that? What's, what's that you got that? there in your hand, Liam? A little delivery, mate. My two away tickets, Notts Forest and Sheffield United. That'll do. Very Yay. nice. Very nice. Happy days. Happy days. Right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you very much uh, for coming on, Geordie, mate. Appreciate uh, you giving up your time to come and have a chat with us. Uh, pl- yeah, plug all your socials now. What's all like? Where's your Twitter? What's your Instagram? Whatever. Where can people find you? So, if you want to find my dodgy stuff, uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram at Rick Sanchez underscore seven. Uh, and then there's a link where you can see all my stuff on Spotify, my SoundCloud, my other crap. And yeah, also, I got a show with Route 94. If, if anyone's available, Saturday the 13th of November, Brixton Jam. I'll be supporting Route 94. Be spending some dodgy tech house and clanging checks together. So yeah, come through, lads. Very Shout nice. Shout your new tune as well, bro. Shout your new tune. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I made a tune with Gold Eighty Eight. It's um, called Move Your Feet, and it's just tech house, bass heavy tech house. Sounds Very pretty nice. Good. I'll put all, I'll put all like the links to like your socials and stuff. I'll stick that in the episode description so everyone can find them. Um, but yeah, man, thank you very very much for coming on. It was really. Uh, have I thrown? Did I freeze again then? Yeah, mate. My Wi-Fi is is so fucking dead. I think my hotspot's (laughs) about to give up. Um, Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate, really appreciate that, obviously. And some really important discussions, I think. It's really interesting insight. Um, Sam, Liam, have you enjoyed yourselves? Of course, mate. As always. As always. As always. Right. We'll be back again next week. But for now, get involved with our socials. We are at Partner Politics on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, We've also got TikTok. Don't don't know why. Uh, I, I haven't really put anything on there for a while, actually. Maybe I should um, just get Liam to get his tits out or something. He might get a few clicks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we've also got a website, www.pilotpolitics.wordpress.com. Have a little look. Um, but yeah, until then, we'll speak to you again next week. Thank you very, very much for all your support. And thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you.